Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson, Jason Lockenfora, Pete Prisco on this edition. Unlike every other media outlet, we will not be having Johnny Manziel on, but we will talk to Johnny. We will talk about Johnny, excuse me. And, uh, will we? About... Sure, why not? He, uh, we're doing it right now. We're literally right, he's talking. Not, he's not a player in the league anymore. You know, he's not? No. He's, he's attempting a comeback. It's comeback season, Pete. S-Z-N. Well, Didn't you know that? So? You think he's going to make it back? He says he's had teams Dude, that have talked he to him. Hasn't he thrown a pass in the CFL yet? I mean, let's. I mean, talk about putting the cart before the horse or the hay out in the barn or whatever. So you don't think that Johnny Menzel's saying he's coming, attempting a comeback, is worth discussing? Doesn't I mean he? Why, is he, he still hasn't come to contract terms with the team that owns his rights in the CFL, right? He has not. So okay. So you think uh, he the said, NFL well, team's going to sign him without going there? Do you think he do? Do you think he needs to go to the uh, yes. CFL? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, like you think he has to go play in the CFL before he plays in the NFL? Yeah. Like definitely. I, I would you? I mean, who's? I don't. I mean, could somebody sign him? I guess I don't yeah, know why. You could sign him to a one-year contract. And bring no, I mean, him you could, but what? I, I mean, stinks. I'd rather go see what he could do somewhere else and see if That's he can keep his nose league, clean though. somewhere else. It's a different animal up there. You know that. Okay, well, not that different, dude. It's football. There's practice every day. There's meetings. There's things you have to do. There's there's responsibilities you have to have. All right, stop me when there's a quarterback that you would put Johnny ahead of. You don't have to say yes or no for everyone. Just stop. He's not even on my list. Like you can Drew Brees. everybody. <laughs> I'm not uh, signing that kid right now. I don't Tyler, want him in my building. Tyler Brady. Not right now. Ryan Mallett. I'm not signing Ryan. My, Ryan Mallett's not coming in my building either. Scott Tolzien. I don't understand this exercise. What, I don't understand the point of this. Well, actually, I got a bunch of people yelling. People on Twitter. Were would like, I rather yeah, have yeah. Scott Tolzien? Well, I'm not signing Jan- Johnny Manziel. Like he would not be on my emergency list. He does not exist in my world. If he goes and plays in the CFL or somewhere else on a one-year deal and keeps his nose clean, maybe I will consider him in 2019. I don't. I don't have time for that garbage right now. And I'm not calling him garbage. I'm just saying this whole process and like. Uh, the dude stunk when he played for the Browns. Like, no, he's not. I don't. I don't need it. No. Pete Brock Osweiler or Johnny Manziel? Brock Osweiler. We do remember those multiple <laughs> domestic violence allegations against this guy, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, the charges were dismissed for whatever it's worth by a Texas judge. Yeah. Well, that, um, well, they often are. But I, I, okay. We're clearly not in Johnny Manziel mode here quite yet on the Pick Six podcast. Uh, I'm excited for him that he's. Cleaned up, and he says he's sober, and he says he's trying to make a comeback. He also says he's been diagnosed as bipolar, and he's taking med- medicine for that. And I think that's good. Like uh, a public discussion about mental health um, is beneficial for the whole, for the country as a whole. Not to mention um, any anyone who is dealing with those issues. So that's great. But 
clearly Johnny Menzel, long path to get back. A lot of people yelled at oh, me. Wait, I didn't... Oh, wait, so the drinking and all that other stuff was a result of the bipolar? Is that what he said? It seems as if he is sort of indirectly pinning Look, it on that. You, you hope good. he turns his life around. You hope the kid yeah, turns sure. his life around. Everybody I, I'm rooting for him. I just don't want him in my building yet. I don't care what he says to Good Morning America right now. Or pardon my take. Whoever else he talks to. Um, okay, so that's Johnny Manziel's discussion. I think he's uh, trying to get he, – look, he wants more money than that team the Tiger Cats want to pay him. So I think now this is him trying to pretend like there's a market for him down here to try to squeeze whatever he can get up there, but they're not going to go crazy to sign him either. Like the fact that he can't have a seamless – uh, negotiation with the Hamilton Tie Cats tells me all I really need to know about what Johnny Manziel is still all about right now. Mm. Like, if you want to just go sign a contract and go play football for a year and, and get yourself together and put some film out there and have coaches I can talk to to say, was he there on time or wasn't he? Like, did he miss meetings or not? When you guys did a community service event, was he there or was he somewhere else? Did you? You have to babysit him 24 hours a day. Let me talk to your player development guy about what he was like. Like, let him go do all that. If you put the if you put the evidence out there, and you're cool for six months, that season ends in November. Then great. Well, but Jason, what's wrong with signing him to a one year deal? Bring him in in. I eight- do not want that in my building right now. I just he's a third string if he's a third string quarterback, it does, he has no impact on the building. What do you mean? You think Johnny Manziel is going to have He's a third string quarterback who's on Good Morning America. But you, you Wait, think- why does this not hold for him? Like, I'm always the one who say this distraction stuff is overblown. But Colin Kaepernick can't get a workout, and you want to tell me about why Johnny Manziel belongs on somebody's roster. I'm not saying he belongs on somebody's roster. It always comes back to Colin Kaepernick with you. I get it. It doesn't always. But Usually it does. People are making excuses why that someone should sign this guy right now or why it, he's it, viable like, in the NFL. It's like Jimmy he Garoppolo. He couldn't play. He couldn't stay healthy. He was alleged to have punched his girlfriend in the face in a car. In he's alleged to have chased her either. out of a house, right? He, I mean, I'm just – he was MIA on the Cleveland Browns. They had a press conference where the owner came out and said, Johnny, if you hear this, like, we really – are you in Vegas? Like, where are you? Right? He – Bailed on a team for a game. I don't want it in my building. I'm not saying he's over, but go, go, just see what you can do in Canada for me, or go sign a one-year contract somewhere else. And if you're not a problem for them, then I'll have a I'll have a personnel meeting and I'll put you on our board and we'll talk about you as a prospective backup quarterback signee a year from now. But there's no glossing over. This was a this was a disaster on every single level, the likes of which I don't really recall recently. He was he was cut by the Browns before anyone in his draft class was eligible for a second contract. That's that's not great. It's not great. All time all time bad draft for the Browns. Uh Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel. And I believe some clown, some surface level clown probably declared them winners coming out of that draft because they traded up and down. I got two two first round picks out of it. That's Just a reminder. But it was me. It was me. I might have liked it too. I think everybody liked it because they, you know, I mean, they they got the best cornerback in the draft, and they made a bold move to go get another to get a quarterback. You know, I think um, I was actually listening to uh, to Wright Thompson on the Don Van Natta's Sunday Long Read podcast while I was driving my kid the other day because I'd run out of our podcast to listen to. And um, liar, no, I, I listened to you guys 
your, your show with Nick and, and the two of you. So it was good. Um, but the, uh, it was interesting. He was like being embedded with Johnny in, in, um, college station for a few weeks or whatever it was. You could sort of tell that there was no way it was going to work out because the, the, like he couldn't build a bubble around himself because of the way that his life was structured. And it, it at least seems like right now he is doing a good job of keeping people away from him who have a negative impact on what he wants to do with his life. And he is trying to have a, trying to take a positive step forward. I, I think you might be right, Jason, in the sense that this is not him saying, Hey, I want a job right now in the NFL and not expecting to get a job. But this is one of those things you have to do, you know, whether you're a celebrity, whether you're a football player, whatever it is, you sort of rebuild your image. It's one of those steps in the process, right? That's what we're, that's what we're watching is, the, and the targeted, purposeful approach to re, reinventing your public image. And I think it at least did a good job of him. He looked contrite. He looked honest. You know, he came out and he spoke earnestly and, and frankly. And I, I mean, I appreciate that at least. Yeah, but can he play at all? That's the question. I mean, that's the, you know, you're losing sight of the most important thing. Can he play? Could he play before? I mean, at the I NFL mean, level? If you don't put the work, it's hard to gauge him because he never put the work in. So if he doesn't know the game plan, doesn't know how to put the work in, how can you really gauge him? But he is a little quarterback. He can't, has trouble seeing over the, you know, the, def- the defensive line. That's a problem. All right. In other news, the Broncos, according to the Denver Post, could consider putting Emmanuel Sanders on the trade block. Let me ask you this, guys: Is it possible the Denver Broncos could start the 2018? season with neither Demarius Thomas nor Emmanuel Sanders on the roster. Pete? Yes, it's possible. Of course it's possible. But, I mean, what, what are you going to get for Emmanuel Sanders? Well, if somebody wants to trade for Emmanuel Sanders, what are you getting for him? Probably not Four. Yeah. Right. Who, so who needs a receiver that would give up a four for him? Baltimore. It, I mean, there's teams that would. There's a yeah, few different teams that would. Would you give up a four for him? I do that, dude. I do that before I I pay Jarvis Landry fourteen million dollars a year to be a wee little slot guy. Me yeah, too. I'd absolutely take Sanders. So I think maybe. I mean, he's been fairly durable. I mean, yeah, I would I would do that. And I mean, cap, cap. What's his cap for this year? His base is eight eight million dollars this year. That was a team friendly deal when he signed it, and it's a pretty old contract. Hold on, let me pull it. Up. Yeah, he's got. Eight, I got it. I got it up. Uh, million, for 2018, his cap it's basically eleven million, and then his uh, dead hit is five point three million. So what does he can, have left on it? Does he have two years left on it? Yeah, two yeah. years left. So you're, you're going to rather rent him for two years? I would do that in a second. That rather than pay Jarvis, yes. who doesn't scare anybody down the field, by the way, he's, he's caught a lot of passes, but he doesn't scare anybody. Right, and worth noting too that Sanders' uh, twelve point nine million dollar cap hit, twenty nineteen, and just two point seven base more or less against the cap uh, in, in in dead money. So you could, you know, if it didn't work out after one year, you could save ten million dollars in, in salary cap space for that second year. Now and you it, know what he would do? He would do the whole thing. Oh, well, I want a new contract, and I tell sure. him, you're not getting it, but right. you come here and play for a year. If you play for a year and you play well, then we'll talk about it. Yeah, or or even restructure it, add a year on, and take his number down from twelve. Nine. Now, here's the reality for the Denver Broncos, and I alluded to a lot of this in a column last week. That is a descending team. Like this idea that like that they're going to be the team that get Kirk Cousins. Cousins is a smart guy. His agent's super shrewd. His agent represents Trevor Simeon, who had to deal with those receivers every day last year and saw what was going on in the receiver meetings and knew when guys just decided not to run the right route because they didn't care. 
you know, and basically felt like, well, we can do what we want because none of these quarterbacks is going to boss us around the way Peyton Manning did. It wasn't a good vibe. It was not a good a, a good scene there on offense. And, yeah, they were limited quarterbacks, but there's things veteran high-priced receivers can do to help them out, and it just wasn't happening there. I mean, Tlaib is gone. Chris Harris is probably gone in a year. I mean, they spent their money. They shot their wad. They won a Super Bowl, but, like, they're coming out of it. They're in a down cycle. So, I mean, will there be a part of John Elway that wants to just get Cousins because, frankly, he's had a hell of a time drafting quarterbacks and offensive linemen? I'm sure there is, but the guy's got to want to go there. I don't think that's a better situation than the Jets at all. The Jets had their purge. We probably could have stopped you on that John Elway sentence at just drafting because, Yeah, no, since Ryan Sanders left the building, it has been ugly. Von Miller in 2011 stands out in this 2011. It's a long time that, ago. As, that's as not his. He didn't take over that draft though. That was still right, right. that was still Brian Sanders. Um, the 2012 draft netted them Derek. They didn't have a first round pick. Uh, what did they, was that the? Why did they not have a first round pick that year? Who they trade up for? Um, but they got Derek Wolf with a second rounder. Oh, they traded back. Sorry, they, that's why they had two twos. Got Osweiler. Um, got Malik Jackson in the fifth. Danny Trevathan in the sixth. That was a good draft. But then you start to look up and down this. I mean. Derek you know, Wolf, so, you forgot about Derek Wolf. And I said Derek Wolf in the, in the okay. second. Um, but their first round picks since then: Sylvester Williams, Bradley Roby, Shane Ray, and Paxton Lynch and Garrett Bowles. Okay, um, well Shane Shane Ray got hurt. He's going to be a good. He's a pretty good player. Uh, Roby is a good player. Yeah, Roby's a good player. Um, second round picks: Cody Latimer, huge Monty Ball, huge bust. Cody Latimer, yep. huge bust. Yep. Ty Sambrello, Adam Gostis, and Demarcus Walker. Gostis is a good player. The rest of them are all busts. Yeah, but isn't he gone? No, I mean, uh, Gost- no. Gostas was a good player for them. Yeah. But, 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 I mean, the larger point is that they haven't drafted well the last four years. They made they made that Super Bowl sort of a confluence of spending smartly in free agency. Some guys, um, you know, acquiring some guys. Some guys hit it, sort of came on at the same time on that defense. But, like Jason said, I mean, you might be right. I mean, that defense is sort of dwindling in terms of you still got Von Miller – I mean, Jackson's been gone. You know, if you lose to leave and you lose Harris, what are we talking about here? I mean, what, I mean well, they're not an ascending. They're not as certainly not an ascending team. But you, no. you talked about Cousins going to an ascending team. Where's he? Where, where's an ascending team? You keep talking about the Jets. Are the Jets an ascending team? They've torn down. I mean, they oh, were they're not an ascending team. And they won five. What do you mean? They hit rock bottom and they're they're bouncing up. How would you? What would you characterize? If they got Kirk Cousins, they've got a hundred. Well, they got ninety million in cap space. They've got a ton of picks. If they don't have to take a quarterback because they get him and they take a receiver or something there, they're going to keep Austin Safarian Jenkins. The offensive line is serviceable. They got eighty million in cash space and they haven't cut Muhammad Wilkerson yet, their highest paid player. Like, all right, so let's go to the defense to talk trades. about. Let's go they'll to the be able to sign talk, players. Yeah, let's go to the defense and talk about all the great players they have on that defense. You, you got Leonard Williams and then who? Adams. I mean, the kids' safeties are going to be good, but they're not great yet. Okay, yeah, but that, that's. That's ascending, right? Like he's ascending. Adams is ascending. May is ascending. Two blue chip players on defense right now. They got a serviceable offensive line. They ran the ball okay. Serviceable. They'll keep Safarian Calvin Jenkins. Beecham at left tackle. Serviceable. I mean, you're you're oh, come on. They're okay. I'm comparing them to the Broncos. I'm not, dude. I'm not saying they're a good team. I'm saying let's be real about the market for Cousins. I don't so, think. The, but, but you, you think, keep talking. You think Mike Zimmer is paying him thirty million dollars a year to come there? No, I don't. You, you think you think Jacksonville might? I, I'm telling you, I don't think that I don't think they're going to be able to because of the wrist, even if they wanted to. But 
if if they work out a wink wink deal with them before the, the the period's over, then you can do it. Come on. I don't. Okay, maybe Jacksonville. So you've got one. You've got one here's, better scenario. Here's the thing I keep hearing is if Coughlin wants them, they're going to go get them. And I don't know if he does, but I hear he likes them. I went back. You saw that tweet I sent out last week about his games against Coughlin. Did you see though? Did you see that tweet? No. He wasn't great against them. Now, he had four interceptions in the first game, which when he was a kid, so you got to throw that out. But he wasn't great in the other one. He had one really good one against them. So I don't know how Coughlin feels about it. I mean, look, to the Broncos and the Jets' point, they both went 5-11 and last year. The Broncos are getting older. They don't have – I mean, like, Von Miller's a great player, but he, I think he still has the largest the ca- non-quarterback cap in the playoff hunt with Josh McCown. That's the other thing people forget. Denver's getting blown out every other week. The Jets beat three or four playoff teams in the AFC, and they had they were it was one single digit loss after the next. I mean, they were punching above their weight class. They looked to be a young, much faster, much hungrier team. Denver looks like a bloated excess team that again had their run and they accomplished it. They did it, but they probably should have started their tear down. A, you know, Denver's about to become the Ravens. I think the Ravens pushed it a little too far, got a little too bloated. Now they've had five years since their Super Bowl run where they made the playoffs once. So the I think Jets, Denver is in the middle of that same cycle, only they probably realized it a year too late. Wait, but wait. So the Jets would be better – a better if they get Cousins, they will be a better team than if the Broncos got Cousins. Yes. Next year, I don't know. Yeah. The year after and the year after that and the year after that, yeah. He's going to sign a six-year contract. He's, He's gonna, not going to the playoffs with either team next year. You know what I'm saying? So who he, is better positioned to be competitive over the next five to six years? Does he go to the playoffs with um with Jacksonville next year? I don't. You're implying that Jacksonville wants him. I mean, would, would Cousins go to the playoffs with Jacksonville? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jaguars might go to the playoffs without Cousins. Here's the thing: people keep saying, "Well, you, if you're going to pay Bortles 19 million dollars, you might as well pay Cousins 28 million, 29 million, right?" But it's not. You're paying them 29 the next year. You're paying them 29 the next year. It's a 10 million a year difference every year. Right. It's a lot of money. I mean, here's the other thing that people aren't talking about either. Bortles is pretty good representation. I mean, what if they're able to work out a bridge contract where it's pay as you go for the Jags, but you buy low on Bortles at 19 again for next year? And then you have some salaries to, you know, and then you have a salary around 21 and a salary around 23, but it's like the Dalton and the Kaepernick deal or the Tannehill deal. You know what I mean? There's, there's no guaranteed money in those future years. I like that idea. I think if you're, I think if you're Jacksonville, you're better off trying to get some, like if you're going to go with the Bortles route and you're not going to try and go with Cousins or something like that, you're better off trying to, trying to extend his, I mean, like, Bet on him now with limited low risk that he might actually develop a little bit more and that you can win with him in that in, in that defense as opposed to playing one year with nineteen million guaranteed and then all of a sudden he has a, a good year. Like if he has a twenty fifteen season, which we've seen him have in twenty eighteen, you're gonna have to pay him a ton of money. But if you but if you do that like you're talking about, Jason, you could potentially avoid um, a, a cousin's light situation where you know he's not worth that huge qu- quarterback money, but you have to pay him because he had the season. By the way, I just one little caveat on the Cousins situation if he did go to Jacksonville is I've heard that the, one of the reasons they held back Bortles wasn't Bortles was because every the garbage around them too. Okay? I mean, those receivers had no idea where they were going. None. They were all kids. They, they, they ran the wrong routes. They couldn't even run plays because they didn't know where they were going all the time. And then the offensive line, they didn't trust them. So 
it's a combination of all of it. Me personally, I don't think there's I wouldn't pay Kirk Cousins all that money to come into Jacksonville. I wouldn't. That's not what I would do. I'd draft a guy. A lot of good quarterbacks in this draft, and we will be talking about that a lot during the offseason. Had another head coaching hire. The head coaching cycle is over again for the second time. The Colts, maybe, right? He signed, so. he signed the deal, it looks like, so that's good. Got that. Well, yeah, the Colts somebody could fire somebody else tomorrow. I mean, who in this league, who the hell knows? Are you suggesting that there's somebody you would identify? No, I'm, just, okay. I'm just saying if recent trends hold, you know, something else goofy will happen between now and the draft. I mean, this has been this has been the craziest in terms of like the hiring and firing and the stop and go. I mean, Mike Malarkey is going to get fired, then makes the playoffs, is going to get fired anyway, wins the playoff games, is going to be safe, then gets fired, and then Josh McDaniels for six weeks is in as the Colts coach until he gets cold feet because the the the, the Patriots talk him out of it, and then the then the Colts go out and, and maybe upgrade. And sign Frank Wright, the, the Eagles offensive coordinator, as their new head coach. Pete, if you were giving a grade on the Colts' overall coaching search, what would you give it? I love Frank Reich as a hire, I'll be honest with you. Look, I would have liked Josh McDaniels. I thought Josh McDaniels was a great sure. fit. I, I think Josh McDaniels, like I've said many a time, I think he's going to be much better second time around than he was the first time. Um, you know, the, the arrogance has kind of been tapered off a bit. The, the I know everything and you do it my way has tapered off a bit. He'll be fine. But I think Frank Reich's a great guy to hire. I think, you know, look, he's not going to be afraid. You have Andrew Luck. If he's healthy, and that's the big if, but if he's healthy, they're going to build that offense around an aggressive quarterback who wants to drive the ball down the field. What's not to like about the hire? Jason? Yeah, I mean, like we said last week, um, you, you you can always find a coach, and you might be finding, I don't know about a better coach or a worse coach, but you might still end up finding the right coach and someone who's with you for more than one contract and Frank Reich has been ready for this for a while he's not the most dynamic guy he's not going to win you press conferences and sell you season tickets but in that market you don't have to have that you know you, you if Andrew Luck is right and you've got a stable smart driven um even keeled well-liked head coach well-respected uh who, who doesn't have a huge ego and who's malleable enough and who can work well with a young general manager, then, you know, you, you got to go out and rebuild that defense. You know, you've got you to keep rebuilding both at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. And Chris Ballard certainly understands that. And Frank Reich, if he doesn't yet, once he studies that roster, he quickly will. And we'll see what they can do there. Um, but like I said, it wasn't the end of the world when Josh left and – they they could you know they could be just fine with Frank Reich. I was surprised way, again that Reich and Schwartz did not get more love through the initial phase of this. By the way, what this is showing now, at least for me, is we're going to see more and more of these aggressive coaches. You heard Vrabel when he got hired. We're not going to run the ball. What are you going to run the ball for? I mean, you know, you 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 throw to score. It's been that way for a long time, and these guys are finally realizing it. You can't play scared in the National Football League and, well, and look, win. No, it's it's easy to say that. No, it's not. In February. It's not. Let's well, see, huh? Yeah, but that's. I mean, Mike Vrabel. I don't know a damn thing. Like, I, I don't. I mean, again, like, well, let's see what it's like when the when it's Sunday. You know what I mean? And it's tight sphincter time, and it's fourth and one. Well, you know, for <laughs> Frank Reich. Frank, you know, Reich, can we I rename mean, the? Can we rename the podcast "Tight Sphincter Time"? But the, but, the, but Frank Reich's not going to play that. <laughs> we can do whatever, whatever you guys want. <laughs> Look, it's the way to play. It's the PST. way to play this game. 
And finally, so you get a coach who won the Super Bowl because he played that way. It's, it's yeah, just, but now you're you're automatically assuming that now that's who Frank Reich's going to be. And I would just that say, isn't Frank, well, Frank Reich is going is is been an aggressive coach. He came from an aggressive offensive play system when he played. He he was he's aggressive when he has been around the league. He will be aggressive. Yeah, it, I will. Oh, it's so refreshing to see a team that's not afraid to play to win. That's I love it. I will I will say I will say this that a lot of times you see in these coaching. Um, these coaching press conferences, you get a little bit of bingo, like, wow, we're going to be multiple. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like Jason said, it's easy to say it then. Um, I will also say that it felt like the Colts and Frank Wright might have used eHarmony to, uh, to try and get a little match here. eHarmony, unlike any other online dating site, we got to get the conductor, the crybaby. Eric, Eric said his life, he's the, the we call him the crybaby, right? Um, he's had, He's had a little tiny void in his life filled by the Eagles Super Bowl win. And you could see that he was emotional about it. Emotional, passionate, young man, hardworking. Just needs to find someone out there to, to match with him. Fortunately, we can get Eric on eHarmony because eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites don't do in order to find a more compatible match. You're not out there trying to hook up. You're trying to find a meaningful, lasting, long-term relationship. See, that's what the Colts were looking for too. They don't want, they don't, they're not trying to fool around. They want to, want to find somebody who can lock down for the long haul. eHarmony's helped find over a million people their perfect match. They've used science, data, psychological research to send you the right matches. eHarmony brings compatible people together. And right now, our listeners can get a free month of eHarmony when you sign up for a three month subscription. Enter code PICK. That's P-I-C-K at checkout. That's PICK. Inner code pick at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love. eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Inner code pick at checkout. Conductor, get on that. You need to go find some love. The Eagles saying it's, it's, it's not lasting. You need to go find some real love. Um, all the coaches and teams found real love too. Let's, let's, we've, We've, uh, you know, we don't think there's going to be anybody else fired. There might be anybody else fired. If you had to pick, Jason, your favorite hire, because we're I not going to pick. Actually, pick who could be a random fire. Oh my goodness, my favorite hire. Nobody um, would have picked. Nobody would have picked Doug Peterson when we had that question back. Well, and that's exactly. why I'm a, I'm a little hesitant to, to, to do grades or to do uh, to do rankings here because, as you recall, Jason Kelsey at the Super Bowl parade. Called out, um, your boy, Mike Lombardi. Do we, do, we don't have audio of that, do we? So this clown, Mike Lombardi. Um, like, like Mike Lombardi cares. He just, who cares? We were, we're all wrong at times. I mean, I had him rank, I did the rankings last spring. Remember the NFL head coaches? You know where he was on that list, don't you? Where was he? Like 26 or 27, I think. Was he really? <laughs> yeah. It's so, I mean, it is, it is so hard to know. I mean, I, Best hire. I mean, I mean, look, I'm going to say Oakland John Gruden. I, I, I mean, you're going to make me pick. It might turn out to be a colossal. I failure. think that's the worst one. But for that guy, for that guy who's been like, here's the thing about Oakland. No coach there was ever going to be secure until Mark Davis, until or unless Mark Davis got his second, you know, dallying. Well, his first dalliance, his family's second dalliance with Gruden. He's been trying to right these wrongs in his mind for eight years or whatever. He's been chasing this guy all over the country, also undermining whoever his coach was at that time because it was not 
the best kept secret in the world. So I think like that had to happen. Like, you know what I mean? He had to have his round two with Gruden and he'll reset the deck there for that franchise moving to Vegas. I assume Gruden sticks around at least that long. And, you know, I'll buy John Gruden and Derek Carr. I don't, I got to say, I'm not infatuated with Gruden's staff right now, but that'll change a lot in the next, you know, 11 months, I I would imagine. Um, But I don't care about the money because the owner doesn't care about the money. You know what I mean? Like, and, and honestly, if we were able to see these guys' books, I mean, I'm sure this is a relative drop in the bucket for him if it sells more tickets in Vegas. So yeah. to me, take the money out of it. I don't care what any coach makes. He either does a good job or he doesn't. If I'm if I'm a guy with the, the, this kind of money on the line and he's leveraged this much, you know, he's taken on a lot of debt to get to Vegas. It, he, he's got to sell tickets. It's got to be something to see from day one. Whether yeah, they're good. Forty five and fifty forty five and fifty one the last six years in Tampa bothers me. You can't have look. The problem is you can't have him picking offensive skill players. So how they rectify that? And I don't think Reggie McKenzie is the guy long term who keeps him from doing that. But they got to put some checks and balances in place for sure. But for where they are, I get it. I mean, we'll see. Who knows? Um, I worth noting, by the way, I found your rankings, Pete. Yeah, I had them twenty twenty six. You want to hear? I'm going to list from 19 to 28. Yeah, a lot of guys got fired in that grouping. Dirk Cutter, Jay Gruden, 20. Jim Caldwell, 21. Ben McAdoo, 22. Mike Malarkey, 23. Hugh Jackson, 24. Doug Marone, 25. Doug Peterson, 26. What had he done? What had he done? Um, what had Doug Peterson done? Peterson did a nice job getting the Eagles to 7-9, although they did start fast before fading, even so the former quarterback who learned under Andy Reid seems to have a good feel for being a head coach. As quarterback, Carson Wentz approves. Peterson will look a lot better as well. Well, that was accurate, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a good, it's good call. I mean, you had to give guys like Del Rio, who is at Dunn, McAdoo was coming off an 11-win season. Right? You're going to put Doug Peterson ahead of McAdoo last year? I mean, it's hard, it's hard to Honestly, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do the list. So I, I, I thought to you for doing it because I, I, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Hey, look, it's I impossible. Can, You're, it's there's fun. no – I mean, the owners right. don't know. The coaches themselves don't know who's really going to be good from year to year. I mean. Well, you know – I mean, no, it's hard. Jack Harris won 12 games when you did the list. You know who's going to be number one every year? Right. Well. Where would Doug Steve Peterson son, fall absolutely. on your list? Son of Steve. <laughs> you're not gonna put are you, just because he won a Super Bowl. You're gonna put Doug Peterson ahead of Sean Payton. No, I would put Belichick number one every year. Right, but you're, but I'm saying, are you gonna put Doug Peterson now ahead of Sean Payton? No. If I had to do that list, no. I, you're not gonna put him 25th either. All right, stop no. me when you stop He's me in when your you top would, ten now. Stop me when you would put Doug Peterson in. Mike McCarthy, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, I, I have no Sean idea. Payton. I don't know. John Harbaugh, Adam Gase at eight for you last year, Pete. Ooh, uh, there you Bruce, a... Bruce Arians, nine. Bill O'Brien, ten. Chuck Pagano, He's eleven. In the top 10. You had Chuck Pagano at 11? I think no, Chuck Pagano was a good coach. He's, he, he, look, he had success there. Then his quarterback got hurt. Wow, Dan Quinn, 12. You Chuck Pagano over Dan Quinn and Mike Zimmer? What are you doing? Have you got the Pete Carroll yet? Yeah, yeah. Pete Carroll is like four. I, I mean, I think, I, think, I think that you would – Bruce Arians is out. Um, I think it's fair to put Doug Peterson. I know you guys love Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase is a great coach no, too. That's too high. But you would put Doug Peterson above Adam Gase. Obviously, I think probably Bill O'Brien. Clearly, Chuck Pagano. 
maybe Dan Quinn, maybe probably Mike Zimmer. I, mean, I think I think Doug Peterson with the Super Bowl and with the job he did, top ten uh, NFL coach at this point, right? Probably be in there now. Yeah. Okay. Seems and then when he goes, if he goes five and eleven and five and eleven in two years, then he falls off the face of the earth. I mean, you know, that's the way it is. It's hard to pick these guys, like Jason said. If you quarter, if, look, if you have quarterback issues and you have cap issues and everything else, you're going to be oh, bad. Look, you get a few injuries. I mean, dude, this sport is the ultimate sort of. How does your schedule turn out? You know what I mean? Are you going to the West Coast three straight weeks? I mean, like, yeah, like, yeah. It's a lot of invariable I mean, okay, variables that are that are unable to account for. Where's Doug Marone go in the list now? It's top half of the league. Tell me. I mean, I, I don't. Do you guys think he's a great coach? Four or five mm. at the lowest, I think. I don't think. I don't think he's a great coach. Really? I, I would. He's not in my top ten. No, hell no. No, hell no. Four or five. I mean, he's in my top 16, and maybe I'd have to really think about it. See, but now I don't want to think about it because I don't want to do this exercise. I don't want to go down this route. You, know you know where this started, don't you, when you guys shame me into doing it? At the yeah, time. I know. That's a week. great. And did it that morning at the breakfast and showed you guys said it, you, I wouldn't do it, and I did it and showed my face the next morning. Yeah, it was awesome. It all started when we were arguing about somehow, like, it's like Marvin Lewis is the cockroach that won't die uh, in nuclear, nuclear winter. But, like, we were arguing about Marvin Lewis's Playoff losses five five years ago. Um, it worth noting too. You had as, as a tie at twenty eight. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Sean All McDermott. The guys. Yeah, sure, and that's fair. You know the new guys. You don't know anything about them, and um, obviously Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan would be above Doug Marone, right? Yes. Okay, just make sure. So, Pete, what was your favorite hire? If you had to pick one hire of this coaching cycle, and why? They asked me that today on our on our show, and uh, I look. I said, Mike Vrabel. I've been a Mike Vrabel guy for a long time. Okay, I think he's the guy that's going to stand up in front of the room, handle the room. He learned from Belichick, playing for Belichick. I think he's. And people keep pointing to his crappy defense last year, and with the Texans when he coordinated it. Look, they had no players. He get what he could coordinating garbage. It's the bottom line is this is a players' league. I think Mike Vrabel. And and I'm I, if Matt Lafleur has really learned at the foot of Sean McVay, then I think that's a great hire. So bottom line is, I think Vrabel's going to be the best of this group. I think that you can actually make a case that the best hire of the entire cycle was Frank Wright, and not not because he's not because I think he's definitively going to be the guy. I was really impressed by him after the you know the, the, I mean just the way he handled himself after the Super Bowl, and you think. It's easy to handle if you win, of course. Um, but you, but you can just sort of, you know, you see that the X player stuff, um, sort of can't, you know, has, has come up through the ranks, wasn't anxious to try to go out there and get a job. And then, so I, I think he's going to be a good coach there. I think as we, as we pointed out, he fits that Indianapolis mold, sort of a low key guy. You know, McDaniels maybe wasn't a good fit for that city or wasn't a good fit for that franchise. They're, you know, they're Midwestern. You know, Midwestern, uh, I don't want to call them rubes. That seems rude, but, uh, you know, mid- Midwesterners, some low key guys who, who want to, who want to, you know, passionate about their football team. But I, I think the, the fact that Chris Ballard, after getting, even though it wasn't his fault because it's on the Patriots, after getting embarrassed publicly, I mean, that was a publicly humiliation. He goes out and lands a coach quickly and lands a quality candidate. I know that we said last week, Jason, on that, on our, on our McDaniels podcast that he would be able to find somebody, but to go out and hammer out a deal 
with the, the offensive coordinator of the winning Super Bowl team after getting ditched by the offensive coordinator of the losing Super Bowl team and get a guy who's going to come in there and work with your quarterback, who's going to help develop Andrew Luck, who's going to install that the aggressive multiple offense that we see from Doug Peterson, I thought it was a really nice job by Ballard because a, a lot of GMs in that position could have completely folded and, and just... Wow, I don't know. I mean, you're going to hire a coach. <laughs> yeah, but like... I, I mean, there's like press conference Yeah, but I mean, it's also a situation where he got lucky in that nobody else had expressed any interest in Frank Reich, sure. right? Sure. And there was you nobody else like, hiring. There's only one job I, available, and no one else has even talked to you the last eight weeks. Here's the job, bro. Take it or leave it. You know what I like about this hire, though, too, is that we mentioned this during Super Bowl week. Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback, right? Frank mm-hmm. Reich was a backup quarterback. If you go through history and look at some of the – Ted Marchabrodo, who's very aggressive as a head coach, was a backup quarterback. Um, Sam Weich was an aggressive head coach, was a backup quarterback. June Jones was a backup quarterback. Spurrier was a backup quarterback. If you go back and look at the history of the backup quarterbacks, they're usually guys who are more than willing to take their shots and be aggressive, right? If you go go through history and look at the backup quarterbacks. Now, there are exceptions, Right. I mean, wasn't Jason Garrett was a backup quarterback and he's not considered an aggressive head coach. But but the bottom line is, I think that's what I like I, guys because they know when they were playing, there were always coaches that said, OK, the backup's going in. We're going to protect them. And as a backup quarterback, you'd say, why just play the same offense? I want to be aggressive, too. So now they go in with the same aggressive mentality. And that I like that idea of hiring the, the, the backup quarterback. Do the Colts – the Colts are still the worst team in that division there, right? Or the Titans? Would you, really, would you rather be the Colts or the Titans right now? Well, it all depends. If, if Luck's healthy, you'd rather be the Colts. If Luck's not healthy, you'd rather be the Titans, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh... Hey, look, the quarterback cures the ills, man. If he's healthy, they're, they're, they're a different team. I'm talking about being healthy to the point where he's the same guy. Right. But does Mariota not – you don't put Marietta in the same no, stratosphere. He's not no. no, come on. Stop it. He's not no, he's not in the same no, he's not in the same zip code with him. Okay. What was the worst coaching hire of the cycle, Pete? Uh, Who's I, mean, I, I don't I'm not a Gruden guy. I think he's mm-hmm. overrated. I think Gruden's overrated. Yeah, guy, look at me. Hundred million dollars, stone cold killer, assassin, the joker. I went 45 and 51 in my last six years in Tampa. So for me, that's the one. He did, I do like some of the guys he hired on this day. I think getting Paul Gunther is a great hire for him on defense, but I, I worry about Gruden. I think everybody thinks he's going to step in, quarterback, pass rusher, and off they go to the Super Bowl, and I don't see it that way. Are they better or worse than the Broncos next year? They're better. Hmm. They're better. They got the quarterback. Jason, who's the worst hire for you in this coaching cycle? You can be worse. You be the least favorite. I mean, the worst. I don't know. I, I think. Um, I, I actually, I know the Bears are getting a lot of hype right now, but I, I'm a bit of a skeptic there. I'm a bit of a skeptic there. You know, I, I mean, not not every not every like Andy Reid doesn't have this magic touch where like not every dude who's ever spent any time with him is going to be a successful head coach, and they just seem locked in, oh. Matt. And it was going to be a young guy, super malleable, no fuss, no muss. The young GM who hasn't done a damn thing is sick of button heads with John Fox. So I'm going to, you know, Nagy, Filippo, which one of them can we hire first? Okay, wham, bam, thank you, man. You know, the guy has an absolutely horrible, I mean, 
the second half of that game, I mean, you were talking about peeing down your leg. I mean, that was bad. And Andy Reid tries to take the ball for him, and he's like, no, really, it was me. I, I called all that slop. And then you hire him 12 hours later. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Interesting staff. You know, I, I, we'll see. I actually, I, I don't know about that one. I actually thought that the that if I was picking the worst, and I, I think this is a good. I don't. Maybe I'm just being. I just think it's a good group of coaches that they hired. Like in terms of, yeah, I agree that Gruden was my least favorite coach that was hired, but I like the idea that they went out and, and got ballsy and got bold and went out and spent big. Um, because they needed to do that in that spot to try and reinvigorate the franchise. Um, the one I didn't like from a process perspective was the Vrabel. I, I, I agree that the, the outcome was right in terms of getting rid of malarkey. I just didn't like the way they strung him along and, and didn't have a clear vision about how to handle it. And, and it just didn't look, see. That ownership group, I mean, it's hard to buy into that ownership group right now. I mean, they, they've, they've done some funky stuff going back to when they fired Wisenhunt. Indeed, they have. All right, um, and I'm just saying this is uh, we had a big news week last week. Slow news week out of the gates. This is the early podcast, but we uh, wrap up the coaching hires. Maybe we'll talk a little more Johnny Manziel later this week. Maybe not. Draft season coming up. Pete's gonna be doing 50 mock drafts a week. You excited about that, Pete? No, I'm doing one a week. That's enough. You excited about that? I am. I like mock drafts. Do you know that Jason had the most accurate mock draft of anyone? I did. Pretty, Pretty impressive, impressive, Jason. That mean that mean you know what that gets you? That that and fifty cents gets me a cup of coffee, maybe. Not even. Sure. All right, yeah. Jason, go do your Peloton. Pete, go do your um, whatever it is you do in your free time. Your day off. Go enjoy your day off, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I'm I'm going to take a two week sabbatical from the podcast. What do you think? I don't think that's. I don't think we're going to allow that. He need, you know, certain people need extra grooming time, Pete. You know, he's got his hair, his chest hair grows extra thick this yeah. time of year. I mean, hey, let me ask you this. If you're going to the spa and getting your, your, uh, back waxed, shouldn't you be able to do the podcast? One would think that if you, you have time to get your back think. waxed, you have time to do a podcast. But what do I know? I, I don't live in that world. I, I wouldn't know. Me either. <laughs> All right, uh, subscribe to the pod- podcast. On iTunes, leave us a five-star review for Jason Lockett, for Pete Briscoe. I'm Will Brinson for The Conductor. Thanks to eHarmony, as always. We'll be back later this week to talk more NFL news.